how much can you handle being mirrored? I mean, you are every single person that's on a reality TV show. You've acted in almost every single way that those people have. You've had a feeling that every single one of those people have had. You've reacted to a feeling, even if it's not exactly how they're reacting, in a similar fashion or taken something the wrong way. Whatever it is with reality TV, the reason it's called reality TV is because it's a simulation of what, it's a hyper-focused simulation kind of sped up version of what happens in life and quote unquote reality. One thing that I've noticed and that has really made me think once again all of these shows always make me think about like what is people's intention when they go on this show is there even one single person who genuinely believes that what the show promises is what they'll get out of it like is there one person in the history of the bachelor or multiple but at least one who has gone on the bachelor because they're like i'm gonna find my forever love and it's gonna be like this I just wonder with these shows, right? Especially the ultimatum because it's such an insane way to try and fix your relationship (laughs) issues. (laughs) And something that I noticed as like a big difference between the straight ultimatum and the queer ultimatum is the level of communication, right? And the way that they're able to like make space for each other's emotions, at least on the surface, at least with their words, they can make space for each other's emotions. They can understand each other's triggers and traumas and like try and articulate themselves and understand like what people's motives were and they give people the benefit of the doubt and these things that should lend themselves to healthier relationships and get there on these shows, which to me is a sign of like truly unhealthy relationship. If you genuinely believe that this show is going to help you, it can't be a healthy relationship. That's just my opinion. Or that they're looking for something else out of this show. I guess it just made me really deeply question once again, like, what do, what, are, why are people going on this show? And why do you think people are going on this show? Yeah, so um, I love, love reality TV shows. Uh, they're not a guilty pleasure. I'm not guilty. Well, I'm a little guilty. Um, guilty pleasure. But yeah, I definitely see Ernest desire for that on these shows i think is that the majority no what i find to be a more interesting way in to these people's psyche and their choice of choosing to be on this show is that like what ends up no matter what their intention is coming in it's usually being vulnerable and finding someone who's going to make you feel that way is almost always secondary And what I find so fascinating about that is the consciousness of, oh, I'm going to go on this show and I'm going to get money and maybe fame. I'm like, maybe I'll find the love of my life. And the sense of the energetic position that puts you in when you mistake what you're looking for and the power of what you're not seeing, like when you go into any type of situation for a particular type of gain, and this could be like to find the love of your life, and then you go on the show and you end up looking stupid and getting fame for the wrong reasons, or the opposite, where you go in there to find fame and then all of a sudden you're this vulnerable, crying mess 
Because the universe has a really funny way of being like, oh, you wanted this thing, but you also forgot that it checks the rest of these boxes too. Like this meal also comes with a fudge brownie, a side of vomit, a cup of tears. You know, like it comes with all of these other things. And so I think in terms of like (laughs) the topic of manifestation comes to mind for me where like a lot of people are like, oh, I want this thing. And then you're like, okay, well, what do you think this thing comes with? Like, it, it isn't ever just the thing. It's never just, I want love. Okay, well, love is a million things. And you've been conditioned to think it's a million things since birth. So when you go on to a show that has multiple components, there's a social component, there's a relational component, there's a, a manipulation component just in terms of production, editing, all those different kinds of things. There's a financial component. It takes a very sophisticated energetic body to go into these spaces and hold your own and hold the intention that you had the entire time and also be able to take all the consequences that come with that decision. So why do people go on these shows? I don't think they ever really know. I don't think they ever fully understand their intention or no, I think they understand their intention, but I don't ever fully I don't think they ever fully understand what they're actually signing up for. And that's always clear, uh, no matter what the situation. So can you give a hypothetical example, like ultimatum specific example, but hypothetical, it doesn't have to be based on anyone of that, like meal analogy that you gave, like what they think they ordered and what they're getting. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple that come to mind. There's the classic like girl who goes on, And is like, I wasn't expecting this. And she's like fully breaking down and she's like, please don't film me. And it's like, okay, like, yes, you think you signed up for love and to be cute on TV. Then you got your heart broken. Did you not realize that that was a part of love? Then second of all, you're being exposed for how you feel about these things. Did you not know that was a part of being filmed while you're trying to find love? Like the things that also come with the meal. Or another example, someone who goes on the show to get famous But with a side of fame comes with like extreme scrutiny of who you are. So these people who get found out for going on shows for wanting to be famous, it's like, well, if that was your intention, then you did the job. What's the problem? Oh, you didn't realize that it came with a side of like people not respecting you, people not liking that you did that, people disrespecting your decision. You know, that's part of the package. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And it's an interesting insight into manifestation as well, because like there is another layer, I guess, a translation of like manifesting fame. They think that the translation is maybe manifesting like admiration, let's say. And then it comes with a side of like scrutiny and exposure and um, constant vulnerability and like having to learn how to manipulate the media um, so that you can like maintain your own privacy and so you have to build the skill of manipulation and you have to live in a life of manipulating others and like a lack of privacy all this stuff and so I just find that really interesting that like um, going on this show and I guess the queer ultimatum a lot of the people and it's so interesting the way I want to call them characters because I guess the show's editing makes them look like that a lot of the people who go on it seem to have a greater level of self-awareness than anyone I saw on the last season and so I wonder how many layers deep they got into what they were manifesting whether they called it manifestation or not what they were striving for Mm -hmm. do you think you're better off going on these shows 
with only the very surface level understanding of what you're intending to manifest or what you will be manifesting or with a deeper layered understanding do you think you're better off going on this show being like i just want to be famous or i just want to find love and not digging any deeper into like the consequences of that and the multifaceted meaning of that or going on with like a fuller understanding of like what you're signing yourself up for i think these people this, these shows are built for person a i think people who are watching want to see a full journey want to see people have revelations want to see people have breakdowns that doesn't happen as often if you're fully aware of all the layers of what you're stepping into. And I also think that if you're aware of all the full layers of what you're stepping into, there's more potential for overthinking of trying to control things or trying to manipulate things. And that does not work because no matter what you do, there's an editor who will cut out the fact that you said that specific word and move it here, who will show this scene and not show that you did this whole interview about what you were manifesting. What I really admire about these people is the kind of naivete of just jumping in feet first and thinking that they're going to get the thing that they thought they were going to get. I love that. I think there's such an earnest journey to that. Like, imagine if we did that in life, if we have that opportunity to do that in life. Most of the time, the universe is like, eh, upon entry, we must have your dissertation on what this is and what you believe it to be and how you think this is good. You know, it's like so, it's often so many layers. And when it's not, we get mad. And that's the thing. That's the thing about manifestation. It's like, we're like, oh, well, I thought it was going to be this. And it's like, okay, but you asked for the thing. Your version of that thing is convoluted and you're better off <laughs> naively. You know, it's the fool. It's the first card of the tarot. It's zero, zero. It's like starting from baby straight out the womb. Don't know what's going on. Bloody kicking and screaming fresh to the world, let's go for it and see what happens. I think that's the best way to go into these experiences. Yeah, and see what happens. I think you have to know at the very least, I think all these people know this, you're going to get eyes on you. And a lot of people think any press is good press. All eyes are good eyes. Uh, any attention is good attention. Either, oh, well, nothing I do is going to be misconstrued because I know who I am. Or if it doesn't happen that way, I can just blame the editing or explain it or figure it out. I don't think you really understand the impact of first impressions on people who are interested in these kinds of shows. I mean, even I, it's like by the end of a certain show, there's always a villain. By the end of a certain show, you almost don't want the villain to redeem themselves. You, you make it so hard. You, you don't even have a framework in your mind as to how they could, re how you know, what they're redemption arc looks like and the show wasn't long enough for them to have it on television so you're kind of left with your own projections do you feel like something like a reality tv show is like one of the ultimate settings to express and engage the full energy because so much of your reality becomes in the hands of others in terms of production in terms of like how your days are supposed to go and like where you, where you're living and what you're doing and in terms of the audience defining you and your experience yeah i think that's a really interesting way to put it yeah i do think that because it's like I said, the one thing you're going to get from being on television is exposure. And I think that the point of the fool energy is to embark, embark on a new journey with little, you know, he just has like one of those little sacks tied to a stick, that kind of sense of like what the clothes that you have on your back. And I think that's, you know, that, that's the thing. That's what people bring into reality TV because we don't know who they were before. 
And so you're bringing whoever you are in that moment, whatever your journey is and who you are at the end based on what people think about your journey. And that's all you have from that experience. The interesting thing about that is that from the fool card, we go to the magician where you have tools on your table and you know how to manipulate the energy that you have. And this is where we see people sink or swim after reality TV is can you use the momentum that you've created? Are you adept enough at energy and manipulation of energy to say, I'm going to take all this energy and attention and eyes that have been on me and manipulate it to my favor? Am I going to be able to transmute this and make it something that I can at least make interesting and maybe profitable or maybe continue this journey? I think the most surprising thing about reality TV is that so many people create like their entire career off of it. But I've also seen, and I know for a fact, there are a lot of people who just see it as like springboard, springboard, springboard. And so they go on it a certain number of times or it's like they know how to not run out their kind of favor with the audience of like, okay, I'm not going to overstay my welcome, but I'm going to come on enough where you know me, you know my name. I have a good, you know, I have good friends and a good name in this kind of world. And I'm going to just keep using that and the, and the viewers and, you know, as a springboard. And I think that's what traditional media is for most people at this time. You you realize that you have to use it as a springboard and you have to know where you're wanting to land once you jump off Uh, because they don't, there's no like aftercare after reality TV, you know, the production and these companies have no interest in, in coddling you. In fact, I was thinking about this, the ultimatum. It's like, no matter what happens on the ultimatum, there is in their contract that they have to promote this show afterwards. It doesn't matter if you got your ass handed to you, you got your heart broken, you got rejected, you fucking hate the show, you think the experience was shit, you have to smile and act like, oh, yay, the next episode is coming out. It's just contractual. And so there is this sense of um, this foolish kind of energy. And I think you can make anything out of it, which is what I think seems so appealing about TV from the outside, but then you really see what you are, right? Because that's the thing. You could think that you could have built this huge career and think you're so far along. If we're using the archetypes in the tarot, you could think a lot of women specifically that I've seen go on these TV shows think they're the empress, think that they like have their shit, they're this person, da da da, and they're all the way back to, to square one or to card zero. They're back at being the fool because we don't know who you are. Like, I can go look at the, your Instagram from before, I can go do research, but who, how many people are doing that? And then also letting that inform who they see you as now. And so I think that like, for example, someone like Cardi B who kind of had something and then went on reality TV to really get a push behind what she was doing. A lot of people were like, why wouldn't she go back? You know, she was such a star. It's like, because you go back to square one, because if you fuck up on reality TV the second time, no one's going to remember that you were great the first. And so, you know, but she, I mean, we don't have to get into that on this episode, but she knows how to manipulate energy or someone on her team does. Do you think that there is an archetype of reality TV participant who is reliant on the energy of the fool, like addicted to it in that they've probably just been like repeating the fool in their life and then they just like find another space, maybe the ultimate space, which is reality TV do you feel like there's any um, that you can pick out or maybe you don't want to? I don't want to name names, but there's a couple of TV shows that I have as like guilty, guilty pleasures that they're, these, these people are hanging on. And most of them don't have not created something for themselves outside of the show. 
And you can tell. You can tell which people have created something for themselves outside. And it actually affects their actual performance on the actual show itself. Um, because you can tell their level of investment and just the kind of people they are. This this energy of the fool, right? Of like, I'm really seeing this like the fool just dives headfirst into a structure that takes care of itself, a reality that builds itself. So they don't have to be a reality builder. They can just be an explorer and stumble around the world, right? And uh, the intention is to like pick up tools from that and then use those tools to then build your reality through the magician and onwards. But there are people that are just stuck in the in the fool. And and I'm thinking about like other iterations, other like structures that the fools like find energetic match with, where they can continue to play out the fool. And one of those structures is romantic relationships, where there's like a mummy baby <laughs> um, dynamic. Or, like, in so many relationships, there, there is the fool and there is the person who is being the, the world builder and the caretaker. And in the ultimatum, especially in this season, I've noticed that a lot of people are really able to articulate that in their relationships and be like, I'm the one who does the cooking. I'm the one who does the cleaning. I'm the one who makes the decisions and blah, blah, blah. And so who is that person? First of all, what is that archetype? that is the one taking care of the fool and building the world for the fool. And what are they getting out of going into such a foolish <laughs> situation, you know, the fool's world? Well, it takes two to tango. So if you're mothering someone in a relationship, then you also choose babies. So you're attracted to that energy for some reason. Even if you think that you're above it, there's something there's something about be being above it. There's something about wanting to be seen like you're better than, right? Specifically with the architecture of the ultimatum, the show. It's like there's the person who's mature and wants to get married and da-da-da. That's not always a mature position to take. I mean, very rarely, honestly, usually is it to just be like, well, get married to me or else. That's an incredibly childish position in a lot of ways. To say, you're not giving me what you, what I want, but I think if I give you this ultimatum, then you will. So uh, it's I think that they're just representing different aspects of the fool. And oftentimes, and especially in the queer ultimatum, what we see is who the real fool ends up being, you know? And who the real... Uh, what was so fascinating about the queer ultimatum is as I start to interview the couples, a lot of the times the people who were given the ultimatum end up coming to much more, quote-unquote, mature, interesting, nuanced conclusions about relationships and why they've staved off commitment for a long time. And we see the people who gave the ultimatum kind of repeating the same narrative until the end. And the lack of growth and the lack of self-understanding and, you know, a real marked sense of their position is often lacking. So I think... I think they're both fools and I think we all are. I mean, we, and we all should be at some points in our life. We all should, we all need to embody that, embody that archetype and, and go on different journeys throughout life. It's not a bad thing. It's not a judgment on anybody. Like I said, I really admire it in a certain kind of way because I mean, we've all watched reality TV. We know how it makes you look. So to do that anyway, regardless of the possible consequences is, you know, quite something and just because you think that you're taking on the more mature mature role in the relationship well you have just as much to learn because you are staying with someone who you you think is below you or you think can't match you so here we are 
And I think just first of all, to speak to the who is the giver versus the receiver of the ultimatum. Most of the givers that I have seen that I can remember right now have been people that are like, I want to get married as in I want to be chosen, as in I want the structure of marriage to create my reality for me, which is very the fool, you know, it's like, yeah, give me the map and I'll just run around in it and not do any sort of like building of my own. Whereas the person who is hesitant is usually like, uh, what what's the point basically and neither of them seem to be saying I want to like settle down in a reality that I choose and create so I find that really interesting and this concept of them both being the fool is like blowing my mind because I guess I originally just assumed like oh okay there's another archetype that is like dancing with the fool but it's so true and I wonder the meaning of the reversed fool? I mean, if I were reading it, like if I were reading that card, I would say that you are trying to control outcomes, that you're not taking risks. You're not being clear about what the journey is that's actually ahead of you and your lack of preparation for it. That's so fascinating because it's like this, it's like the ultimate fool almost because it's the fool that doesn't know it's the fool (laughs) because through trying to control things that you can't control, you distract yourself from the fact that you're not in control, that you're not actually building your world, you know, that you're just, it's like you're turning these knobs that are not connected to any (laughs) machine and you're ignoring the ones that actually connect to your life as a way of like being addicted to the full energy. And it's like choosing to like be in a relationship with a puppy who is not toilet trained, (laughs) you know, that you're like, you can't focus on building your career. You can't focus on like what your wants and desires and needs are for your reality because you're constantly picking up shit and, you know, like putting your shoes away so they don't chew on them and telling them off and trying to train them and like. This is so crazy to me because I have never considered two fools, <laughs> the reverse and the upright, in a relationship with each other, just like spiraling downwards into full energy and both of them jumping headfirst into a fool's environment like a reality TV show. That is what that is, yeah. So do you think that there are other archetypes that that choose to to be in those environments? Do you think the environment of a reality TV show serves others? Are there any that are obvious to you? Yeah, I'm not sure that I could express it in a particular archetype, but I think that there are just, there are people who are like, I don't know, I guess it really just does come back to the fool and like the self-awareness of that because they're like, I am who I am. You get what you get and I get what I get from this experience and I'm putting myself fully into it. And I've seen quite a few people who have done that. And I think whether or not you like them, you kind of, you know, you're like props. I don't know if admiration is the word, but like, I think it's a great way to do that kind of opportunity. And I think they provide a kind of grounding presence in these kinds of wild houses that these people usually live in. And I mean, sometimes they're involved in breaking up fights or whatever. But yeah, I've definitely seen people who are just really strong in their sense of who they are and in their center. And it can wobble, obviously, like being in, in these kinds of hyper intense social experiments can. But 
they seem to not need to be portrayed as anything and they seem to not need to get anything specific out of the experience besides like doing whatever the task is at hand and it's almost like they go <laughs> i don't want to say like the five of pentacles and the tarot it's just like a guy sitting down with his little things like hammering them into the tree like just doing his job it's like this is the work that's in front of me let me just do the thing and they don't again they don't end up being usually like major characters all because those people are the most interesting exaggerations of the archetype of what this show is about what these kinds of shows are about but a hundred percent i'm thinking of a couple people in a different in a couple of different shows uh very rarely do they show up on love-based shows uh, but there are some. Do you feel like you could articulate what the difference is between other types of reality shows and love-based shows and how they draw in different types of people? Well, I don't think so because I the only comparisons I can draw is between very physical shows like uh, strength and agility-based television reality TV shows and love TV shows because those are kind of the only two types that I watch. Um, obviously I've watched like singing competition shows and stuff like that, but that kind of reality TV, you're getting a very small portion of the person's life and their beingness. And usually if it's a competition show for something like dancing or singing, um, again, it's like a skill-based thing. Uh, and so, yeah, we don't get a lot of other insight. I don't know. I guess I watch other reality TV shows, but not really like not ones that I can call to mind and kind of compare, but I would say just between the two that I kind of tend to watch. Yeah, just because there's no skill required to be on a reality TV show for love. And so a lot of people who don't have other things that are necessarily their passions or goals in life tend to go on those shows. Whereas people who are on ones that require some kind of strength or determination or endurance that's physical, tend to have a different relationship to life and work and tasks. And the romance and the drama is supposed to be a kind of exciting dessert or side dish to the main course when really obviously it's kind of the main thing. Um, but watching people in, in competition environments where they're trying to do multiple things at once, like manage the social, the perception, and also act the actual physical task at hand, I find them quite interesting. And archetypes tend to come out much more strongly in those shows because they, they tend to be distinct people with distinct understandings of what they're trying to get out of that space. Do you think that if there's a double up of an archetype on a show, especially a show where there's a winner, so something like Love Island, for example, like have you watched much Love Island? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a bit. So on Love Island, if there's a double up of Upright Fools, do you think that the like channeling of the archetype is going to be strong enough that and and the environment that sort of like inflates whatever archetype it is that they are embodying, it's going to be strong enough that the audience like kind of meshes them into one person and then just chooses one of them because they can't they can't be both on the show. Well, I think they almost always end up competing with each other, getting into quarrels. They hate the mirror. They really don't understand that that person is a direct mirror of them. Um, I'm going to be really controversial and say like Lexi and um, Vanessa, the ultimatum. That's an example. Yeah, they, they end up being like really mad at their mirror on the show. Uh, in terms of the audience, I think the audience also has a similar thing like whoever mirror you know they see different mirrors of themselves on the show and however much you've integrated or 
don't like certain versions of yourself, that's what's going to show up and how you respond to those people on the screen. I think that's so interesting that you see Lexi and Vanessa as mirrors for each other because like it's so it's so supportive of your of your hypothesis that Lexi's partner chose to couple up with Vanessa. Uh, (laughs) It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, well of course. That's a spoiler. (laughs) True. For anyone who hasn't watched the show. Okay, so you see Lexi and Vanessa as mirrors of the same archetype. What archetype do you think that they're embodying? Well, I was just using the one of the fool. I mean, because, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. I actually don't think that I can speak to the whole thing because also, like, it would involve a lot of spoiling and a lot of, like, outside perspective. Uh, But... Yeah, 100%. I think one of the people comes onto the show thinking that, like, they don't want their person and they just want to be a free bird. And I don't know, I don't really want marriage, da da da. And this other person comes on being like, I just want marriage and I just want to be chosen. And I just, I just, I just. It's almost like one is like, I want the world. And the other one's like, I just want this one thing. Why can't I have this one thing? And yeah, they're incredible mirrors for each other end up choosing each other and it ends up being like oh i hate the mirror that i see in you um it's it's triggered both of them i think really deeply and they both acted out according to their relationship to that archetype as viewers and engages in reality tv and especially love shows what do you feel like the viewer is getting out of it what do you which archetype do you feel like the viewer is like using the muscle of i don't know if i would necessarily look at it archetypically it's more just like how much can you handle being mirrored i mean you are every single person that's on a reality tv show you've acted in almost every single way that those people have you've had a feeling that every single one of those people have had you've reacted to a feeling even if it's not exactly how they're reacting in a similar fashion or taken something the wrong way whatever it is with reality tv the reason it's called reality TV is because it's a simulation of what it's a hyper-focused simulation kind of sped up version of what happens in life and quote unquote reality, you know, the parts of yourself that you can't stand the parts of yourself that you find really shameful, you'll start to turn away from in them. And I mean, the television is sort of this just big projection box and we like to separate ourselves from the people on TV. I think we're better than them. I think that we wouldn't react that way, which is so weird. I mean, you have no idea how you react until you're put in a situation. And when you have been put in that situation in your life, you most likely have, yeah, turned and reacted one of the ways that you're seeing. I think the muscle that you really can build with watching reality TV is compassion and understand, self-understanding, awareness, like a full acceptance of what you seem to like not be able to accept a full acceptance of how people are, how you are and what it really means to be like messy and alive. I think there's a, the messiness of people on reality TV. I think a lot of people love to watch because they find themselves unable to enact it in real life or they're that messy in real life and like seeing a representation of who they are. And so either way, it's kind of this like living vicariously through them. You know, there'll always be a market for that in, in some way. It just makes me think about how the producers must be so thick in that 
like so almost as much as the participants and even the editors must be like just so in that like mirror react to mirror create something as a reaction to mirror and like what a chaotic way to exist I don't think I would last long as a producer of reality TV. Well, they also all have to choose. Like, they invite people on the show because they know, uh, here we go, we've got our villain. Here we go, we've got our hero. Here we go, we've got our victim. Here we go, we've got... And we're going to portray those stories. A great example, I won't give any spoilers away, but just watch Mildred throughout the series and how the way she's edited is really not meant to make her seem... Like, there's... We already have a villain, and so she's not necessarily portrayed that way. How it ends up is quite interesting with that regard. You can tell through just specifically her story that they pick at the beginning, or I don't know when they do it. If they, I know that the producers pick at the beginning how they're going to kind of manipulate a certain person to create a certain story, but then editing afterwards is kind of like okay to kind of support that story, or oh, we only have footage that really shows this person this way. And there's also these really fascinating moments that we're seeing where we're seeing a breaking of the third wall where people are talking about how people are acting outside of being filmed. Like, oh, when we're not being filmed, this person acts this way. Or, oh, afterwards they're like, oh, well, this didn't show up on the show, but blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh my God, don't say that. Don't tell us that we didn't see something. Don't tell us that we don't have the full story. That's not what we're here for. For, We're not here for nuance. That's not why we're here. Yeah. But it's so interesting the way that we carry the characters, right? So, like, they're not humans anymore. They're characters that have been crafted to mirror us in a certain way, reflect certain parts of ourselves. We carry that into reality, and it's on them to break their character, which is a character that they didn't even choose or create. And we really don't want them to break their character. And they got to work really, really hard. And yet somehow we all fall for it because people keep going on reality TV shows fully aware or maybe not even aware that characters are created out of people and then we don't want them to show us that they're more nuanced than that, that they're actually not their character that was created by these producers. And what I think is also so fascinating is the way that the producers choose the characters, which no doubt are based on their own reactions to what this person is reflecting in them. And they choose, for example, a villain, right? They choose what behavior is villainous. And like, I, I don't know what happens with Mildred, but if perhaps her behavior is more villainous than Vanessa, but Vanessa has been chosen as the villain and they choose not to portray how villainous Mildred is because the producers themselves maybe have felt more triggered, more like reflected in Vanessa's behavior. And so they see it as more villainous, even though objectively perhaps it's not. And the way that that resonates with the audience, like, is it just random and it just so happens that this person that they've portrayed as the villain and the parts that they have highlighted in them that they deem to be villainous resonate with enough people to uphold the show and make the season successful and make everyone agree that Vanessa is the villain? And that's going to happen with any person and any traits because all traits could be villainous or could be good. Or, like could be seen in that way or is there some like 
cosmic connection between the producers and the audience where the producer is feeling the same I don't know has the, has like a really similar sort of internal motherboard that responds in certain ways to these participants and so the person that they would choose as the villain and that they do ultimately choose as the villain and the parts that they highlight as villainous are actually the same things like if you got the audience to choose their villain and gave them all of the raw data they would choose the same person and resonate with the same things. Like, do you think that it's just anyone could be the villain and, and enough people will resonate? Or are the producers really tuned in with their audience like that and they're, and they're connected with each other? The audience and the producers sort of, like, hover towards each other. I think it's neither. I think that it's a subconscious choice on the side of the producers and the and the editors kind of working in the subconscious of, like, what is the kind of collective consensus in consciousness right now? that behavior is not going to be supported. We saw this with Love is Blind. If they portray someone that we think should be villainous as a hero or as anything but a villain, we get upset with the show. So it has to be a kind of collective unconscious. You know, people are generally not happy about behavior that's very seen as promiscuous or seen as liking a lot of people at once or wanting to be sexually free or wanting to just do whatever you want. People are not... Another thing about Vanessa is like, oh, well, she's just here for fame or whatever. Okay, all of you got on TV. What did you think this was? Every person on the show could be could be uh, could be accused of that. So the sense of like her being honest about it, or her being more open about it, or her you know her crime is really her honesty and her blatantness. And they're like, wow, we have no choice but to kind of like position you in the place that you've chosen. But yeah, I, I think it's the work of kind of what the co- what the collective conscious is really ready to see as as bad behavior or, and what it's not. I don't think it's a conscious choice. I, I think they think it's a conscious choice, but yeah. Yeah, but the subconscious of the producer and the audience is aligned in that they react to the same things. Yeah, because you see that the way that things are edited or produced, that they're the same exact situations in life that get thrown out of proportion and totally exacerbated and made into these huge things and group chats and everything. And so it's it's relatable. And yeah, someone who works on these shows is kind of tapped into that. That's actually so true. Like, it's so crazy the way that these shows are edited. Like, for example, a fight is edited almost like you could take the script of that fight and put it in someone's mouth as they're telling their friend what happened between them and another person. Like the way that we Mm. retell our lives is so, so in sync with the way that reality TV retells moments. Yeah. And well, I think the really beautiful and crazy thing about reality TV is we never know what is reality. Yeah. It's all based on perception, projections, cuts, editing. So again, projections, perceptions, and manipulation of reality and perception. And so we're just kind of, we just eat what we're given and make decisions based off of that, knowing that we don't have the full story. And I think that there's something, there's something really difficult with reality TV. I think it has a really deep impact on this, on the conscious and subconscious mind. And I think it can really mess you up if you let it if you identify too much with characters if you don't understand what you're doing if you don't understand what you're seeing and if you're not critical about the ways that you're engaging with this media not critical as in like i'm going to write a dissertation or an article but critical as in like 
do I need to follow every storyline that they're feeding me? And if I don't, then what's the point of watching this? Am I wanting to just be taken on a, on a trip? But then what are the social implications or moral implications of following whatever someone tells me about someone, et cetera, et cetera. I watch it because I love social experiments. I just love watching human beings interact with each other. I love seeing what human beings say versus what they do. I love reading energy and energy bodies. So it's like candy for me, but I don't then go and like follow them on social media and get super invested in their lives after the show. I, it is what it is. Do you think that there's something, that there's a false sense of security in the way that uh, reality TV is like, it, it's like a microcosm of reality in that there is the edited version and then there's the raw data. And so when we watch the edited version, we're aware that there is raw data and we somehow believe that that raw data would give us the actual truth and that what we're watching is an edited version of the truth and that it's manipulated. And maybe there's a a false sense of security in that, in that there is this belief that the raw data is somehow like somehow just truth. Even though if we were given the raw data, which is life, we are given the raw data, we still don't know the truth because we will never know people's true motives. We'll never know the true, like there is no way for us to understand objective truth of every situation and every interaction between humans. Even if you ask them to tell you exactly what they're thinking, One, they could lie. Two, they could not be able to articulate it. Three, they could be lying to themselves and believe what they're saying. But, you know, so my point is, is that in raw data reality, there is no objective truth. But raw data as a, like, set of camera roles behind an edited reality TV show has the illusion of containing absolute truth. And so there's like some comfort in in watching something that we know is edited because it's like, oh, there is a truth behind this. I just need to find it. I think we watch television because we know it's caricature. And in the caricatures that we see on TV, we can see pieces of ourselves or find, you know, we're always trying to find, well, who am I? Well, who am I? I was trying to do that with, with the ultimatum. And I couldn't identify with anyone And then at the reunion, actually, I was like, the one person I can't identify with is behavior that I had in the past and behavior I'm not that excited about. So now identifying with someone is uncomfortable, you know, especially because I was talking to my partner about it live as we were watching, you know, they were talking to me about it. And I had to be like, yeah, well, I can see myself acting like I've acted like that in the past. And I think if cameras were only 24 seven, I would have acted like that at a certain point in my life. And they didn't really know what to say because it's kind of like, you know, we're not supposed to admit that. So I think that's what's fascinating about reality TV is we know that it's not reality. That's kind of the point. I think that with reality TV, we know it's not reality. We don't want to really see all the reality. We want the juiciest parts of it. And that's what we also want in our regular day-to-day lives. A lot of us are really... We don't want the mundane or the nuance. I mean, think about it when someone hurts you in real life. Do you want to see the B-roll of the camera of like them sitting and contemplating and being upset and like rocking back and forth and thinking about how they hurt you and then talking to their mom about it, but then like texting you a really like tough text that like seems really mean? Like, no, you don't because you want to feel what you want to feel and you want to project what you want to project. And so I think it's the same with reality TV. It's just like, it's this weird 
simulation within a simulation within a simulation of life on planet Earth, just swimming in our own projections constantly and pretending like they're real. This podcast episode was produced by me, Nadia Hanan. All the music you heard in the episode was also written and produced by myself. You can find Jaleesa on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and wherever else you internet socialize at Jaleesa Cypress. You can also reach out to her more formally at jaleesacypress.com to work with her. 